that you're here. I want to take a moment and just talk to you for uh, just a few seconds on the Impact uh, Thanksgiving baskets. Uh, we are, I think there are a few items that we're still in need of, and if you feel led to do that, we have extended. Originally, we were going to have everything turned in today, but if you feel led to still participate in that, uh, if it's a turkey or uh, some side or something like that, you can see a list over at Impact Central before you leave, and we will allow those things to be turned in on Tuesday. Uh, you can either, if you know where we live, you can bring it to our house today or tomorrow or Tuesday, or if you're planning on showing up for the serve day to help put those baskets together and get them ready on Tuesday night, you can bring it to that as well. And so thank you guys. We want to thank you in advance. Uh, there are quite a few families that are going to be blessed because you guys are willing to be a blessing. Amen? That's what it's all about, and we're so excited to be able to give back through that and the spirit of giving. So keep those things in mind if you're interested in those. And we've been in a series for a couple of weeks now that we've called Misdirection, where we're learning some important principles in our lives. Maybe not some fun principles in our lives, but we're learning some important things that we need to apply and some mistakes that we can learn from, different characters in the Bible. And so we've talked about responsibility in a message that we call Make the Shift. And we discover that instead of casting blame for things that are going on in our lives or around us, we should take responsibility. We talked about taking responsibility for ourselves, taking responsibility for our families, and taking responsibility for our city. And it was just this crazy idea that came to me, what if instead of complaining about everything that's going on, if we took responsibility for it and tried to make a difference in what's going on? And we said this, this was kind of our, our line. I believe we have this on the screen just as a reminder. Maybe. No, we don't. All right. <laughs> it says when you take responsibility for something, you'll do almost anything to make sure it turns out the way it's supposed to turn out. You know this to be true, and I know this to be true. When you're responsible for something and somebody's counting on you for something, more times than not, you will do anything possible to make sure that when you present it to whoever it's for, it's exactly what it's supposed to be. Because we want to look good. We're responsible for it. We want people to be proud of what we're doing, and so we're taking responsibility in those areas. And then we talked about endurance in a message called The Bigger Picture. We discovered that long-term vision enables us to endure short-term circumstances. And this is what Jesus did. The Bible says that he was able to endure all the way to the end and die for you and me because he was focused on the end result. He was focused on the goal. He was focused on the reward. He was focused on the fact that you and I would be able to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father because of what he was going through. And so that long-term vision enabled him to endure a short-term circumstance. And I believe you and I operate the same way. When you know your why, why you're doing something, why you're in that relationship, why you're married, why you had kids, why you are where you are, why you're at the job that you're at, when we know our why and we have that long-term vision, I know why I'm here for this is the result I'm hoping for, it'll help you to endure through some short-term circumstances. And this morning, in part three, I want to talk to you for just a few moments on this subject, and I need you to help me out with this, okay? I need you to look to the person to your right or to your left, and I need you to tell them, don't judge me. Come on, everybody participate. Don't judge me. It's a renovation in progress. 
Come on, I think you probably need to tell them again. <laughs> Don't judge me. It's a renovation in progress. I want to talk to you on the subject, renovation in progress. Now, I'm curious this morning as we get started, before we get to our main text and what we're going to read from the Word of God, I'm curious how many of us here have ever tried to discipline uh, one of our kids and their response was directed in some way to the suffering that you were putting them through. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. This was this morning. This, this is the way, the way it operates a lot of times. You know, they're just begging. Don't, don't take that away from me. Don't spank me. We're not going to get into whether or not you should spank because that's a, that's a whole other thing for a whole other day. <laughs> but don't spank me. The spankings hurt, you know, and most of us, we respond with, that's kind of the point. <laughs> they're supposed to hurt so that maybe you'll think before next time, before you do that again. Maybe you've even been out to, <laughs> maybe you've, I'm going to get some amens today. Maybe you've been out to eat with some of your friends, come on, and you notice how their kids were treating them. And how they were acting, and so you just went to def you just went to battle for your friends, right? You just went to battle, and you're 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 talking to their kid. You know, you probably shouldn't talk to your parents that way. And you're trying to correct, you're trying to correct something in somebody else's kids because of the way that they're talking to their parents or the way that they're acting. I can think of a number of times where uh, my wife and I have corrected or disciplined a behavior. And once again, we're not going to talk about how you should discipline or how you should correct a behavior, you can ask the Holy Spirit on that one. <laughs> and, and there was some begging going on, begging not to do it. Don't, 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 don't take away the Wii, right? Don't take, away, don't take away the phone. Don't take away the tablet. Don't, you know, all those things that you try to use that your kids really like. You're like, well, if we take that away, maybe they'll think about it next time, you know. And, or if we just break it, then maybe they, they won't ever get to play it again. And we'll just fix this right now, right? These are things that we do sometimes. And sometimes the reason that we're, we're doing it is because they didn't obey right away when we asked them to do something. Um, I don't know about you, but I always use this. And I, there's a lot of things that I always said, I'm never going to use that because my parents use that and I'd hate that. And I'm not ever going to say that. And then I find myself saying a lot of what they said. But, you know, I always use the thing where the reason you need to obey right away is because if you were playing in the street and there was a car coming and I said, get out of the street, and you turn around and you ask me why, you just got hit by a car. <laughs> so obedience needs to happen now. Understanding can happen later. Everybody got quiet on that one. Obedience needs to happen now. Understanding can come later. Come on, how many times have you been going through something or you felt like the Lord was telling you to do something and you just had to understand it before you would do it? Well, God, if lightning strikes that tree and it splits perfectly in half and it falls to the ground, then I'll understand this is you talking to me and I'll do what you're telling me to do, right? We do this stuff, that's probably a little bit extreme, but we do this stuff all the time. Just want to make sure, 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 just want to make sure. And sometimes we never act on what God told us to do because we just want to make sure. And we just want to make sure tomorrow, so, well, I'm just going to sleep on it. Well, I'm just going to sleep on it seven times because that's the number of perfection. And so we're going to sleep on it seven times and make sure 
that this is the right thing that we're supposed to do. Obedience needs to happen now. Understanding can happen later. Sometimes we discipline our kids because one of them got aggravated and hit another one of their brothers or sisters. You ever been there? There's a fight going on in the house, and you don't even know who started it, so you're just whipping everybody. Right? <laughs> just everybody, everybody's getting talked to. Everybody's getting a spanking. Every, it's, just, it's just crazy, crazy stuff going on in the house, right? Sometimes it's because they didn't show their, their mom uh, respect or vice versa. But I heard a, a pastor say one time, he said they had two rules in their house that we're going to respect each other and we're definitely going to respect our mama. And the kids knew that if you didn't respect your mama, by the time daddy got home, it was not going to be pretty. Thou shalt respect your mom. That was the main rule in their house. And I don't know, whatever the reason, as parents or as friends, we try to correct and discipline and teach our kids uh, or those around us in our lives. And then sometimes we have to discipline or correct our peers. Have you ever been there? Or those who work for us, those who work around us, those who are on our team. And sometimes you have to, to discipline. Sometimes you have to correct some things that you may not want to correct and it might be uncomfortable a lot of times. Times that we have to have difficult conversations that we might not want to have. And maybe you can remember even a time in your life when you were the one on the receiving end of the correction. Anybody remember that? You were the one that was receiving. It's always good to, like, we're, it's, a, well, it's a tough conversation, but well, we can have it because they're the one that's wrong. They're the ones that are wrong. But when we're on the receiving end of the correction and somebody's correcting something that we did or, or trying to help us get better or something like that, we don't necessarily like that so much, do we? We don't necessarily like it when somebody tries to fix us sometimes. When somebody feels like they're supposed to call something out in us that may be harmful, we don't always like those moments in life. Maybe it was when you were a kid and you were at, weren't home by the time you were supposed to be home, or you had a deadline at work and you failed to get everything completed in time, or when you were beginning to think in certain areas of your life that the grass might be greener on the other side of the fence. You ever been there? With your relationships, with your job, the grass might be greener on the other side of the fence. Can I let you in on a little secret? I think the grass is probably greener where you water it. Sometimes we're looking at the other side of the fence. Well, if I just had that family, if I just had that job, if I just had a bigger house, if I just had more money, then we'd be doing okay. We'd be fighting as much. Everything would be going great. All of this, the grass is greener on the other side of it. If I could just get, if I could just climb over to the other side of the fence, I would really be living life. And then you get over to the other side of the fence sometimes if you've been there and you realize you just couldn't see all the crap that's laying on the ground that makes the grass so green. The grass is greener. <laughs> the grass is greener where you water it. The, are you with me this morning or I just have you, you just, are you a little uncomfortable already thinking where in the world are we going today? The grass is greener where you water the grass, right? You don't water your own yard, it's going to die. You might look at somebody else's yard and think, well, their yard looks awesome, but every evening at 9 p.m. you see the sprinklers come on. 
That's why their yard looks so awesome. I think it's the same way in our lives. Too many times we're looking for a way out. We're looking for a way, well, if I could just get something different, everything would be better. If I could just get something better, if I could just get something bigger, if I could get a, a different relationship, well, maybe I, maybe I just married the wrong person. I wasn't supposed to really get married to them, and we were in a hurry and all this stuff. And maybe it's just that you need to take some time to water your own yard. Whether we're the ones handing out the correction or we're the ones receiving the correction, I believe this is an important principle that we need to embrace in our lives today. And I love, I love finding passages of Scripture where the Bible talks about certain topics that you and I struggle with, areas that we don't always get it right, or maybe we need to make a shift in an area, and you find something in the Word of God where God, it was like God knew that we were going to need this direction, and so He gave us some direction. And I want to take a moment and build off of just a few scriptures that we read last weekend and take it a little bit farther with this principle. And so we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read 11 verses really quickly, and then we're going to talk about it today. So starting in verse 1, it says, We have all these great people around us as examples. Their lives tell us what faith means, so we too should run the race that is before us and never quit. We should remove from our lives anything that would slow us down and the sin that so often makes us fall. We must never stop looking to Jesus. He is the leader of our faith, and he is the one who makes our faith complete. He suffered death on a cross, but he accepted the shame of the cross as if it were nothing because of the joy he could see waiting for him. And now he is sitting at the right side of God's throne. Think about Jesus. He patiently endured the angry insults that sinful people were shouting at him. Think about him so that you won't get discouraged and stop trying. You ever felt like stopping? You ever been so discouraged that something going on in your life, you just felt like giving up? I'm just giving up. Giving up. You're struggling against sin, but you have not had to give up your life for the cause. I love this scripture, this one scripture right here that's inserted right in the middle of what we're reading. Because basically what the writer of Hebrews is saying, you think you've got it bad, but you haven't had to give your life up for the entire world. You haven't had everybody angry at you, betraying you, nailing you to a cross, killing you for the cause. And sometimes we think we've got it really, really bad, and I believe that the writer of Hebrews is trying to remind us, you just need to think about Jesus. When you think it's going bad enough, you just remember he was able to get through what he went through because he was focused on the end result. You can get through what you're going through if you'll focus on the end result. Verse 5, you are children of God, and he speaks words of comfort to you. You have forgotten these words. My child, don't think the Lord's discipline is worth nothing, and don't stop trying when he corrects you. The Lord disciplines everyone he loves. He punishes everyone he accepts as a child. So accept sufferings like a father's discipline. God does these things to you like a father correcting his children. You know that all children are disciplined by their fathers, so if you never receive the discipline that every child must have, you are not true children and don't really belong to God. We have all had fathers here on earth who corrected us with discipline, and we respected them. So it is even more important that we accept discipline from the Father of our spirits. If we do this, we will have life. Our fathers on earth disciplined us for a short time in the way they thought was best, but God disciplines us to help us so that we can be holy like Him. 
We don't enjoy discipline. My favorite verse right here. We don't enjoy discipline when we get it. It is painful. But later, after we have learned our lesson from it, we will enjoy the peace that comes from doing what is right. Here is what we all know to be true. Discipline is evidence of true love. Discipline is the evidence of true love. When you discipline your kids, it's because you love them. When you're correcting a behavior, it's because you know that is harmful. And if they start going down that path, that's not going to end well. And because I love you enough, I'm going to tell you that what you're doing needs to be fixed so that you can fix it and enjoy peace and life down the road. We discipline and we correct because we love. When you correct a friend in your life, it's because you only want what's best for them. I was speaking to uh, someone this last week, and they were mentioning how important it is to have people in your life, or at least someone in your life, that can call out stuff in your life, that can look you in the eye and tell you, you need to knock that off, otherwise you're heading for something you don't want. That has permission to come to you when they see something when you're acting crazy or when something's going on or you're going through a difficult season, they can come to you and tell you, hey, if, if you don't stop doing that, I'm telling you this because I love you. If you don't stop that, it's not going to end well. If you don't stop that, like what's, what's going on? Let's talk about it. Let's not go to that. Let's not turn to that. But let's talk about the issue. Talk about how you're feeling. Let's talk about what's going on in your life so that we can get you back on track because the way that you're going right now, you may not see it right now, but you don't want to end up where you're going. And so I began to ask myself the question, do I have somebody in my life that has permission to come to me and say, you know, what you just did, I don't think that's, you know, how are, how are you doing? How's your soul? How are you doing? Not, not the, the, the typical, well, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm pretty good. Everything's all right. Going good, and then we just move on. And 90% of the time we're lying because everything's not good. Now, I'm not telling you that you need to tell everybody what's going on. <laughs> But you need to find somebody that you can tell what's going on. Because if you start telling everybody, you know, everybody at church that asks you or tells you, hi, how are you? And you start, and everybody that comes up to you and says, how are you? Well, let me just tell you, this last Friday, my car wouldn't start, and my wife's mad at me, and the kids are acting crazy, and I, I don't even know why I hate my job and all this other stuff. And people, <laughs> if it's not the person that has the, the responsibility or the person that is in your life, that is speaking into your life, for some people it's like, Phew, don't ever ask them again how their day has gone or how their week has gone. But you do need to have somebody in your life that can look at you and pick you up when you're down and call some things out in you that may not be what you really want in life. When you correct a situation with an employee or somebody that is working for you, or working with you, it's because you're trying to look out for everyone that's involved. And in fact, this passage that we just read tells us that if God were not disciplining us, it would be evidence that we are not legitimate children. 
Did you catch that in the verse? That if God, if, if you're not going through some kind of correction, if God's not working on you in some way, then the, the scripture is saying that it might be evidence that you need to check something out. Because the, that passage just said that there's nobody exempt. We're not, nobody in this room is holy. Nobody in this room is perfect. Everybody in here has got something you can work on and something that the Lord, the Holy Spirit, wants to do in you and work on inside of you so that he can do something through you. But the question is, are you letting him? Are you letting him? Are you letting him work on you? Because nobody, or, or do you think you've got it all figured out? And everything's going really good, and so I'm complacent, I'm content with where we're at. Everything's going really good, so I don't really need, you know, I don't need any correction. I don't need any discipline. I don't need God working on me. I don't need, you know, I don't need to hear from God every day. Everything seems to be going the way that I want it to be going. This is all the same with our earthly relationships, that discipline should be a sign of love. And we discipline and we receive discipline because we're pursuing health in our lives. When you're correcting something and it's in love, it's because I want you to be healthy. When I'm allowing God to work on me, it's because I want to be healthy. I want to be healthy. I want other people around me to be healthy. So this morning, I want to give you three types of discipline that I believe God wants all of us to have in our lives. And we're going to go through these and we're going to break down and talk about each one a little bit as we go through them. And boy, y'all are quiet. <laughs> Everybody is super quiet. You start talking about discipline and everybody's like, oh yeah, I discipline my kids and this and that. We start talking about getting some discipline. And it changes a little bit. Here's, here's, the first, here's the first type of discipline that I think God wants all of us to have. That's self-discipline. Self-discipline. This is probably the one, if you don't get any of the other ones right, you need to get this one right. Self-discipline. And I love this, this verse in Galatians chapter 5. It's talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And it's basically saying that, Paul is saying that if you're a believer, if you're following Jesus, if you have the Holy Spirit, then these should be the things that are coming out of you. This should be the fruit of what you've experienced, the fruit of how you're living your life. And it says in verse 22 and 23, but the fruit that the Spirit produces in a person's life is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these kinds of things. Now, how are you doing with all that? <laughs> love, patience, Gentleness, self-control, controlling yourself. How, how good of a job are you doing at controlling yourself? I believe God wants us to have this. And what, what might self-discipline look like? Well, I'm glad you asked. I was going to tell you anyway, even if you didn't ask. It could be setting aside and making time to read your Bible daily. That would be a self-discipline. Practicing serving other people on a regular basis. Deciding ahead of time. Come on, I said ahead of time. That you're going to live with integrity. Not in the moment. You ever, you ever tried to make a decision on something like that in the moment? Well, what should I, well, should I do this or should I not? Well, it's really not right. 
but it might get me where I want to go quicker. And so, but you got to decide ahead of time that I'm going to live my life with integrity. It could be choosing to remain faithful to your spouse, setting up some guardrails in your life. Come on, I think we all need some guardrails in our lives. Doing your job to the best of your ability. And here's something, I want you to write this down if you're taking notes, and if you're not, go ahead and write it down. Self-discipline is making the decision that I'm not going to be led by my emotions or feelings. Self-discipline is making the decision ahead of time that no matter what happens to me, I will not be led by how I feel, what other people have done to me, what I'm feeling emotionally in this moment. Now, do we get emotional and do we get passionate about things? We like to use the word passionate, you know, when we get angry or we get emotional about things. Well, I'm just passionate. I'm just, I just have passion for that in my life. Well, you got a lot of passion in your life. <laughs> it's making the decision that I'm not going to be led by my emotions or my feelings. Even when I don't feel like it, I'm going to spend time in God's Word. Even when I could use some help, I'm still going to serve others. Even when my spouse may not be making me happy, I'm going to remain faithful. Even when things aren't going my way, I'm still going to keep on moving. Even when I don't like my job, God's put me at this job. So I'm going to do this job to the best of my ability. Because this is where God has me. And I've already made up my mind that I'm not going to be led by how I feel or how I woke up today or if I got emotional or not or if somebody did something to me on the way to work or on the way to church or on the way home. I'm not going to be led by that. I've already made up my mind that I'm going to be self-disciplined. I'm going to have some disciplines in my life. Life. Self-discipline. Here's number two. Authoritative discipline. Authoritative discipline. This, this could look like addressing an employee to pursue health for everyone. This might be receiving correction from an employer. And can I just take a moment and, and just talk about this for just a second? And I'm not talking about just jobs in general. I'm talking about in life. Can I just encourage you with something, with just two words today? Be teachable. I'm just, I'm, I'm just trying to help you. I'm trying to help me. Can I just encourage you? Be teachable. Because we've all, we, we've, all, we've all known people, or maybe we've been the people, that when somebody was trying to help us, and that's really what they were trying to do in love, and they're trying to help you, that we have a tendency, we don't like that, and so we have a tendency to jet. <laughs> I, I don't, I'm not hearing anything that you're saying. I don't like being corrected. I, don't, can I, I just want to encourage you today, and I do mean it as an encouragement to even myself. I need to be teachable. I need to be teachable. You ever tried to work with somebody that wasn't teachable? 
You ever tried to help somebody that wasn't teachable? And you thought, you know what? I don't know that I can help you because you don't want to help yourself. You don't want to allow people to speak into your life and lead you or call things out in you. We need to be teachable. We need to receive correction. It could be this type of discipline might be showing honor to those in authority over you, even though you may not agree. It might be leading your children in a way that they should go by disciplining them along the way because you're the authority figure in their life. And I found this interesting as I was studying for this, on this topic specifically, that in 1 Kings, and we're talking about King David. King David. Most of us, if you've read your Bible or you grew up in church, you've heard about King David. But in 1 Kings 1.6, I found this verse that says, Now his father, King David, talking about one of his sons, had never disciplined him at any time, even by asking why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? And I, was, and I was studying a little bit on King David and come to find out he was a little bit neglectful with quite a few of his kids. And he ignores, he ignores that he has a daughter that is raped. He, he ignores that he's got a son that's trying to take over things. He ignores all this stuff. And even... Even in seeing all of this and it being in his own family, he never even asked the question. He never even took the time to say, you know what, this might be a difficult conversation that I need to have, but why are you doing, like, what is the reason? Why are you doing what you're doing? Why are you going down that path? Why did you, you know, you stopped that a long time ago, and now you're back in it. Why are you back in it? Like, what happened? What transition? What's going on in your life? And I thought, you know what? Number one, God can still use some pretty jacked up people when he uses King David as a person who, who kind of had, you know, wasn't doing the parenting thing all that great in seasons. But then at the same time, I thought, we can learn from this. That the, the, the word of God is saying there's some danger. This is implying that there's danger. If you go read this story, it's implying there are there is danger in not doing this. When you're when you're the authoritative figure in your family, or you really feel like I have a relationship in this person's life and I can speak into them, there's danger if you don't. There's danger if you don't. We got to train our kids. We got to be teachable. We got to correct in love. And here's the third one the third type of discipline God's discipline. So this is the fun one to talk about self discipline, discipline from authority, as authority, and God's discipline. Why do we discipline our kids? Because we want them to know the right things to do. Because we want them to learn and respect authority. Because we want them to develop good habits and principles now that will go with them into the workplace and into their future relationships. Why does God discipline us? Maybe so that we can know the right things to do. Maybe because he wants us to learn to respect authority in our lives. Maybe because he wants us to develop good habits that we can take with us into the workplace 
and into our relationships because here's what I know about relationships. Everywhere you go, there you are. Everywhere you go, there you are. And I think sometimes God is, is correcting some things and working on us so that we can form good habits now to take with us when we get a job or to correct something that we've been doing at our job or in the relationships that we have. Maybe God's even working on you to get out of a relationship that you have and he's working on you and you don't like that because it's uncomfortable. But you know that, that it's God telling you this is not a healthy relationship in your life and if you'll be obedient to that, the Bible says that the result is peace from doing the right thing, that God is, is, is correcting you to give you life, not to take something away from you. He's trying to give you health. He's trying to help you in your life. And what do we say a lot of times when we're correcting a wrong behavior? Well, you'll understand why I'm doing this one day. Or you'll thank me for this when you're older. You ever heard that? You ever use that? Well, you'll understand. You may not understand now, but you'll get it one day. One day you'll, you'll thank me for what I did and didn't allow you to do because of where you'll be, and we don't know where you would have ended up had we just let you do whatever you wanted to do. You may not understand it now, but you'll thank me when you're older. And I have to tell you, there have been times in my life when I didn't like what I was experiencing or what God was allowing me to go through. But on the other side of it, I'm always thankful because it does something in me. It builds character. It gives me a sense of God's faithfulness when I come out on the other side and now I'm going through another trial or another situation. And I can remember that God's already, he's already been with me through this, so I don't have to wonder if he's with me through this. See, sometimes I think we're praying the wrong thing. We're praying, God, will you be with me today? God's already with you. Sometimes we're praying for the wrong thing, and God's like, I don't even, I can't even answer that because I already did. I'm already with you. Every day when you wake up, I'm there. When you get in your car, I'm there. When you go into work, I'm there. When you're at home with the kids, I'm there. I'm there. But I want to work on you while we're hanging out today. I want to teach you some things while we're hanging out today. Verse 11 that we read, it says, We don't enjoy discipline when we get it. It is painful. But later, after we have learned our lesson from it, we will enjoy the peace that comes from doing what is right. Have you ever known somebody to enjoy discipline? If you did, you probably thought they were crazy. I, I don't think it's any I don't think there's any person in this room that could say, I I genuinely enjoy when God works on me. When God's trying to teach me something or God's trying to get me out of something, or the Holy Spirit's trying to lead me to do something, that I enjoy that all the time. I enjoy it all the time. I enjoy feeling like, oh, there, okay, yeah, you're right. I've been trying to do that, and I need to be doing this. 
I don't think anybody enjoys being disciplined. And here's what author, I found this this last week, Margaret Heffernan wrote. And I love this. She said, we mostly admit, now she's talking about our, our minds and the capacity to take in information into our mind. And she's basically saying that there's no way that we can take in everything that everybody throws at us all day long. Everything that everybody needs from you, everything, every bit of information, everything that people are trying to, to implant into your mind, there's no way to take all of that in. But here's what, here's what she says. We mostly admit the information that makes us feel great about ourselves while conveniently filtering what unsettles our fragile egos and most vital beliefs. We have a natural tendency as human beings to hear what's good. When somebody is encouraging us, man, you did a great job. That is awesome. Man, I'm so glad you're here. That's incredible. But when somebody tries to correct something, we can't take all that information in. And so we naturally filter out the negative. Now, I'm not saying to be around people that are negative all the time. But sometimes it's not the devil trying to tell you that you don't need to be flirting with this person because you're married. That's not, that's not the enemy talking negative. Well, I would just rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus, from speaking negatively to me. <laughs> that's probably the Holy Spirit trying to work on you or something. And you can apply that to anything. Anything. That we need, to, we need to learn a different way to filter. Instead of filtering between, does this make me feel good? Or does this kind of hurt my feelings? We need to filter, God, is this from you? Or is this not from you? Because if it's from you, then I want to hear everything that that person or that you have to say to me. So that I can get better. So that I can become more like you. So that I can be a better Christian. So that I can be a better employee. So that I can be a better boss. So that I can be a better leader. God, if it's from you, is this from you or is this not from you? It's a shift that we need to make in our minds when, when correction comes or when God is working on us in our lives. Someone once said it this way, it is not loving to passively let those who we are responsible for continue in patterns of self-destruction for the sake of not offending them. It is not loving to passively let those we are responsible for. I said responsible for. I didn't say that it's your job to correct everything that everybody does and call everything out in everybody because that doesn't work. But I believe that God will bring relationships into your life that you are responsible for accountability. You're responsible. And if you don't have those relationships, I would say that you need to be looking for that relationship in your life. Somebody that can be honest with you, somebody that can correct things in you, and you say, you know what, this is, I'm receiving this, this is from the Lord, and this is something I need to work on, because I know this person loves me, and they care about me, and they only want what's best for me. And this is how God feels about you and me. He loves us right where we are, but too much to let us stay right where we are. And the invitation is, give your life to me, but I don't think it stops there. If you'll give your life to me, you can have life to the fullest. And as we go through this journey of life, we're going to work on some things, 
and we're going to become a better person, and we're going to build character, and we're going to do things with integrity, and we're going to reach more people for Jesus by the example of how we're living our lives, not just, not just, well, give your life to me, and it stops. No, give your life to me, and now you're a child, and so I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to help you on some things, and we're going to tweak some things, and we're going to work on some things so that we can reach more people for me. It's the heart, it, it's bigger, it's bigger than just you and me. God loves the entire world. Every person on planet earth. And when he's trying to correct something and trying to work on us, it's because he loves us. I want to, I found this, I want to end today by showing you a quick video. And this is a man named Bruce Campbell that I found. And he lives in a retired 727. So he's living on a plane. It was a plane that was retired and was used until the mid-1960s, and then they retired the plane, and he got the plane, and he's now living in the plane. And so we're going to see some, some footage and what it looks like and things like that, and then I want to talk to you for just a moment about it, and then we'll close today. But watch this video. I love, I want to invite the worship team up. One, one thing that he says in this video is people ask, well, did it crash here? And he said, we restored the damage. We restored the wreck. Now, when I watch this, I think that's pretty cool that somebody has a vision to take a 727 and turn it into a home. But can I tell you, for that to be, for somebody to be able to live there, it had to be restored, 
and it had to be renovated. Somebody had to restore it, and somebody had to renovate it. The end result is great after the restoration and the renovation. And in our own lives, God's work of renovation is not always easy, but it will always be to our spiritual benefit. Whatever God's trying to renovate in your life may not feel good. It may not be easy to go through, but it will always bring the result that you really want. Do you believe that God knows what's best for you? Do you believe that God wants you to have life to the fullest? If God's working on you, it's because he loves you. If God's working on something in your life, if he's trying to get you out of something, he's trying to get you into something, he's trying to, to help you with a different perspective, whatever it is, if God's working on you, it's because he loves you. He loves you. Will you stand with me today? I want us all to bow our heads and close our eyes. So I want to invite the prayer team to come to the front. Here in just a moment, we're going to sing one final song before we leave. But I want to give you the opportunity, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you this question. And I want you to ask yourself this question. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Through what you've just heard, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? We're going to open it up as we sing this last song. We're going to open it up for an opportunity for you to receive prayer. If you need prayer for anything in your life, it could be, you could be going through financial struggles right now. It could be relational issues. Uh, it could be a decision that you're trying to make and you just want somebody to pray with you about it. It could be anything in your life. It doesn't have to be specific to what we've even talked about. But if you've got something going on, we all need prayer from time to time. We need people to believe with us and encourage us and pray for us. And so if that's you, as we sing this last song, we invite you to come down for prayer. If you're not coming down for prayer, we invite you to worship. However you worship, we invite you to just worship God in this place one final time before we leave. Lord, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would draw every person who needs prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.